Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. What's up, folks? Welcome to In a Mississippi Minute. Don't forget, before we get started today, there are many wonderful things to do right here in Mississippi. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out a whole lot more. Today's guest and I go way, way back. I'm talking about like a deep ball, 432 feet over the fence. You know what I'm saying. When we were both in college living in the Court of Governors at Delta State, I used to come outside, look left to my left, and there he was in his karate uniform with his guitar in hand and Rockman headphones practicing away. All these years later, after moving back home, he now shares the stage with me as my bass player switching over to the other side of the stage. A professor of practice of entertainment industry studies, director of DMI bands, he's performed and recorded with such top musicians in the world, including the late, great Sean Lane, Roger Fisher of Hart, Derek St. Holmes of Ted Nugent, Hubert Sumlin, me, myself, and I, Steve Azar, Jessica Andrews, Charlie Worsham, the Beat Daddies, Charlie Musselwhite, Big George Brock, Dorothy Moore, Jimbo Mathis, hang in with me, everybody, Johnny Neal, Oh, I love Johnny Neal. John Mohead, Willie King, Trisha Walker, Christian Dambrino, and many others. He's also appeared in internationally recognized music magazines such as Guitar Player, Guitar World, and Living Blues. And also featured in Delta Magazine multiple times, Delta Business Journal, the list goes on. He's a board member of the Follow Your Heart Arts program. Let's welcome in to the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, my beautiful pal and multi-talented Barry Bays. Hey, Barry. How's it going, Stevie? Well, it's good. Last time we were together in, in 45 minutes straight, we were on the road to play in New Albany, and we had a great time. Ate a lot of food. Uh, I think I ate a couple sure bags enough. of chips that day. Uh, big, big, huge filet. Yeah, yeah. At yeah, the we, warehouse. It was good. It was so good. Uh, so, Barry, I used to come outside and see you before we even started speaking, and you would be out there with guitar in hand. We both had these, I think we had uh, a substantial version of a mullet, I would say, right, in the 80s? Uh, no comment. <laughs> and so you first of call all, that then. <laughs> first of all, go t- tell me about your karate days. I obviously grew up with, you know, you and I have talked with Jerry Catawar and the Catawars. Jerry's one of my dear friends uh, growing up, and they were world class. I mean, you know, traveling all over the world. Uh, your time with they them, are. and when did it all start? Um, I started karate and guitar at the same time when I was 21. And so, uh, I wow. Was, yeah, I, I started guitar very late. I was playing trumpet and piano and everything else before that. But I, I kept running into these two guys at the old uh, greenhouse that were playing from the coast. And uh, 
they were really good. They played acoustic guitars, and they were always playing at the greenhouse. And I would go in there and watch them play, and uh, we got to be friends. And uh, they talked me into joining this karate class. And, <laughs> you know, all karate is not the same. You know, you're sort of partial, I guess, to the one you're in. But I really think that Shotokan was the best. Just I had such a great teacher, uh, Jerry Katawar, junior and senior, and yeah. their sensei, uh uh, Takayuki Mikami. He lived in New Orleans. New Orleans, right. I think he's the one that brought Shotokan over to the U.S. But these two guys were the quietest dudes, you know, and I just thought, you know, karate dudes were these, you know, I had a certain preconception of what right. they were. And these More guys were real right? quiet and, right. and they were super nice sure. and polite. Right. And uh, they taught me into joining this class. And uh, Haley Bennett and I, we've known each other since elementary school uh, we both started and uh it was a lot of uh sweat there actually right here where we're sitting in this gymnasium is where we had our cleveland karate class yeah for uh, a long time so we were on this end because there was somebody else on the other end we were sweating right here where we're sitting did you ever think or do you ever ponder on the fact that you've never left this spot well, you know, like everyone else, I thought I can't wait to get out of here, you know, meet people and so I could right. play music and play on records. And then I ended up not having to leave to do all of those things. So I met Sean Lane in Memphis and that, yeah. and uh, we were traveling all over the place. And so yeah, I, I, I never get had into, to leave. You know, I want to get into the Sean Lane thing because I know you are like brothers. Um and I know that was hard to, you, for you to watch him pass, especially the way he did. That that was heavy, very heavy on you. It still sits heavy on you. But back up to you come to Dell State. Were you playing some other instrument? Were you in the band? How do you and Haley meet? Because obviously Haley's a great drummer. Yeah, uh, from Grenada. We're both from Grenada. And so uh, I, I was at Dell State on a trumpet scholarship. Aha. Uh-huh. And then, you know, believe it or not, one of the greatest trumpet teachers in the world – from Los Angeles happened to be here in Cleveland for a wow. short period of time. So I said, well, I'm going to go there, you know, and study with him for a couple of years instead of going to Berkeley or somewhere. Cause I had yeah. enough to go to Berkeley for one year. And, uh, then I found out this guy, Mike Ewall was teaching trumpet here. I was going, well, I don't care about Los you know, Angeles. Y- you yeah. Right? I'm going to, you know, if he's oh, here in Cleveland, then I'll, I'll just go to Delta state and right. study. And then, uh, I'll play in Chicago or Blood, Sweat, and Tears one day when those guys die. Yeah. You know, yeah, never they they're still alive. So is I Berkeley never, in, in L.A. By the way, uh, Berkeley is the uh, or is it the Boston? college in Boston in the East Coast? That's right. That's right. It's in yeah 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 but yeah, I, yeah yeah. I I came here, you know, studying trumpet, and then I was uh, in between my junior and senior year. Is when I kept running into these uh, two guys and. Uh, they talked me into joining karate class, and, and then I started playing guitar all at the same time, so it was all intertwined. Do you feel like your trumpet playing gave you a leg up when it came to understanding the oh, guitar Oh, no better? doubt, because I was, uh, you know, picking stuff off of records on a trumpet, you know, my whole life. So when I started playing guitar, that was a natural progression. I was, uh, me and a... Uh, it was actually Haley's brother, Lane Bennett. He played trumpet. And so we would sit at his house in the afternoons after school and pick out 
you know, the Little Rascals and Looney Tunes and whatever we could, Hawaii Five-O and Dragnet, all of these different things off the TV. And then later on, recordings, you know. And so when I started playing guitar, I already had a a pretty good ear, I think, you know. Yeah, you know. I look back and I was just so driven to do it because I wanted to put the my words that I was writing to make them complete the the process and have a song, you know. So I was in such a hurry to learn. Do you look back and go? Uh, I mean, I saw you outside, like with those fingers moving faster and faster, and you know, and all that. Do you feel like you you just sort of do you remember that time going like, okay, I need to hurry up and learn so I can play in a band? Oh yeah, that was that was the the motivation right there i had these other uh friends of mine from grenada and they already had a band going and it was only one guitar player and i was going you know i'll play with y'all just give me a few weeks you know and and so i literally just you know got some uh i knew what music consisted of you know chords and scales i already had all that in college and so i just knew what i had to do was just get my my hands up to where my brain was you know right. the same level as my trumpet so i just learned uh, the all these scale patterns you know the cage system and so that i could learn the uh, randy Rhodes and van halen and kc and the sunshine band yeah. and and so i really just practiced from my birthday is when i started on june the 5th and uh by july i was uh playing in at the green door and oh, come bars on. with these guys You're talking like a month later a month later <laughs> wow that's crazy well i know you as a very dedicated very prof- you're very profound and in, in your the way that you treat music i mean it's so respectful you know and it's like you're so glad to be there you, you know you are you are very i mean it's, I it's, it's a, it's a really treat am. to look back and see you on stage and you've got this just i'm in heaven kind of look in your eyes you know what i'm saying and uh i've always appreciated that, that about you and just how versatile you are to go from one stylist to another has always really amazed me. We're going to take a break, but I just got a text message from who else? I love this. Jerry Catawar right there. Oh. See, Jerry needs to, he retired from UPS and he's in Baton Rouge and they came to visit, but I had to go. Well, I didn't have to. I couldn't wait to go see my daughter at Arkansas this past weekend, but they were all coming to town. We have this high school group chain that we all went grew up together and and Jerry needs to get a job now because he starts off early in the morning texting and he's always challenging us how many free throws you can make today <laughs> how many this and that but no such a great friend and obviously somebody you want on your side you talk about karate and the and the the fact of him and his dad and mom and sister they were always extremely like the last person that you would ever thought would get in a confrontation oh. but they're also the last person you'd ever want to get no in a confrontation doubt. with we're with barry bays my man we're at the delta music institute delta state this is where we this is like our own little home depot if you're like to love build, to build this is our toy store uh, store right here. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out a lot of the cool stuff you can do, like right across the street. Go check out the Grammy Museum anytime. It'll blow your mind during the Mississippi Minute. Stand by. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar rolling down a Mississippi highway with my pal, great musician, great musician, Barry Bays in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. 
Uh, go to visit Mississippi.org, folks. I know I wear you out, but I, I can never tell you enough of how many wonderful things we have to do right here in this beautiful place we call home. So, Barry, you're at Delta State, and in one month you pick up the guitar, and all of a sudden you're doing all your karate and you're playing uh, music. When does your a band with your former wife and stuff that you guys had that because we were all playing around the same time yeah we were going to stan's press box uh, you know stan sandroni the great stan sandroni we miss him so much uh going to, which turned out abby ends up buying it and then then it turns into abby t well sweat box or what do we call it what was it after stan's uh, uh stan's press box and then the firehouse we called it sweat box because we sweat in there yeah. <laughs> then then you know then the firehouse yes then abby t's yeah. So we grew up playing these parts, and then the Junction, and all all the places around the Delta. But when does y'all's band start? And and because don't forget that year, we also my mind's starting to remember things. We did the big spring fest; used to be a big deal. Well, yeah, I, I just found some pictures of that. Got them scanned. I need you wearing spandex back then? Well, I'd wear a funny shirt, maybe, but I never could do like, you know, some of my other friends were like yeah. serious uh, dressers, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just too reserved. I wasn't to, doing the spandex. That wasn't no, going to happen. I didn't even have parachute pants. So I yeah. just wore pretty much where I wear now, blue jeans and a T-shirt. Every now and then, a funny yeah. shirt. Like Eddie Van Halen would wear these funny looking yeah. shirts, you know. Yeah. God, we miss Eddie Van Halen already. Yeah. I played with a bunch of people really uh, in that first year or so, just anybody that would let me sit in with them just so I could meet people and, and get experience. And I really just I just fell in love with guitar just out of the blue. Like, I never really thought about playing it till I did, and then I was hooked. I pretty much only played the trumpet for when I had to for my lessons and the ensembles and stuff, right. you know. But I was spending the rest of the time, like, six or eight hours a day practicing so that I could play those Night Ranger and Randy Rhodes solos, you know, in, yeah. in the bar and... uh I, when I, I met my uh, girlfriend, she played guitar. We were both taking guitar lessons at Delta State from a uh, Cary Alt classical guitarist, but he had played electric guitar previously, so he liked rock and roll and all that, but he was helping me really with my uh, my right hand for you know how to file your nails. That takes like a couple of years to figure all that out to play classical wow. guitar, and that's that's where I met her, and then we uh, started a band up with uh, Haley and another yeah. guy, Brian from Grenada, and the name of our band, when we opened for you out on the quad, the, that band was YYZ, <laughs> named after the Rush song, yeah. so we played YYZ, like, yeah, you, play the you heck should out see these uh, rednecks I grew up with, you know, trying to <laughs> dance to Rush, and they did. We were playing that in the South Fork Saloon in Grenada, and we played kansas and uh rush and sticks and stuff and everybody liked it you know who we was were, singing that like uh, sticks eddie coleman was a classical pianist at he delta could state sing, and he could get all that he, stuff yeah he could you know he would High like notes. blow people's minds because yeah. he had never really been in a band and then he ended up being in a band with uh Preston Watkins and keith wood and the other guys i think he yeah. sang with them some but yeah man we we were all uh trained musicians and we took it very seriously and yeah. played like really difficult stuff. And I got a video of that of us playing out there on the quad. Just playing Rush. 
with all that. I mean, that's insane. I, we I remember grew the first up time. To it, so. Oh, well, you remember the first time you saw or heard? Or you heard? Oh, yeah. I guess first time we heard Rush, I was like, well, "What is that?" You know, like, "Oh my gosh!" And then you find out it's three of them, three yeah. guys. It sounded uh-huh. like there was three guys, a freight train full of musicians, and I mean, it was no like doubt. a lot coming at you. Just amazing, amazing talent. So you're playing guitar, and you guys. Are, are doing all that you you graduate Delta State right tell me what yeah happens. by at, at that point I had graduated so I, I started playing guitar my senior year and I graduated right then and then a year or so after I graduated I was in the Marson Brothers music store I was in there all the time you know I know they got tired of me they eventually hired me to work in there like look you're in here <laughs> every day you won't you just uh, they uh, this this guy came in and said can you show me how to do that I said well I guess I can yeah you know, he said, I'll pay you. So I started teaching him, and then another guy, and then another guy. And You've next been teaching thing, ever since. <laughs> I had like 40 one-hour lessons a week there in that wow. music store. They hired me because I was, you know, bringing all of these people into right. the store, and they were buying strings, and people would come in and just play the guitar and go, oh, this guitar plays great. So and sell it. they started giving me commission, you know. I was about to say, stuff. did you need me as your agent back then? Because uh, <laughs> I hope they so, were you know, taking good care of you. I had it made, you know. I was just get up in the morning, play guitar, and get to the music store at 10, play guitar all day, and then leave the store and go home and sit on the couch and, and then play y'all play on, y'all play weekend shows right all yeah. the time right so you're doing that when does the switch from guitar to bass come about well i was playing uh you know a bunch of bands i've been doing jingles and uh stuff uh i'd like to mention my cousin's studio in grenada at some point sure let's do know, it right now uh so before I started playing bass, I was going over back to my hometown in Grenada all the time to, to play. Even though I lived here, I would just go and stay at my mom's or Haley's or somewhere, and we would play, do whatever we had to do. And my cousin, Budley Bass, he knew everybody. Uh, Roland James that did Elvis. So I got to work with Roland James, you know, uh, a bunch of people I don't even remember. I didn't really start writing uh, those sessions down then like I wish I would have but Budley had this nice studio in the old theater it was huge like not as big as this but it was you know good size theater and uh he would have all kind of people from Muscle Shoals and Memphis coming down to record in Grenada to get away from the rat race you know wow and Roland James would come down to Grenada all the time and record. See, I never knew that. Up and coming people and uh, Budley would get me or Danny Lancaster, somebody to play guitar on these demos, you know, yeah. and yeah. probably some finished records. I was just, I don't even remember some of the stuff I did. I, I, I have to go back and look at these folders at yeah. the yeah. chord charts and then I and go, you oh, keep yeah. all that. You're really good about yeah. keeping all that. So yeah. I was doing all of that just trying to meet people and. I read about this guy named Sean Lane, and I remember Kern Pratt telling me about Sean Lane, and I was more into, I mean, I like Eddie so Van Kern Halen, at the time but, was playing with me, for folks that don't know, Kern's and Jackson, a great guitar player growing up. So that's just a little backstory on Kern. And so keep going, I'm sorry. So I, I met Sean and was just really hanging out with him, uh, me and I would even take some of my students up there, my uh, girlfriend at the time, wife. We would go up and just spend the night, and just he was a a genius, you know. Yeah. Read eight or ten books a day, and he had been out of the the limelight for quite a while. He had, you know, been famous earlier on with Black Oak, and 
he was doing all of these sessions and I would take him to these sessions because he didn't drive. So I would either, I would drive him to down. Uh, you know, he played with Al Capone, man. Wow. Yeah. Uh, he played on uh, all kind of sessions, and he was doing the Highwayman session with uh, Willie with Nelson, Willie. Waylon Jennings, yeah. Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash, and he was him and Reggie Young, famous Reggie Young. They were the two guitar players on the session. Doing that session, Reggie you know, said, hey, Sean, you know, what you've been working on lately? They have been friends forever. And Sean gave him some of his latest stuff. And uh, Reggie freaked yeah. and and uh, gave it to Jim Ed Norman, who was right vice at, president right of Warner, Warner Brothers, in Nashville. Right. And, and so they offered Sean a deal. And I was going, hey, Sean, uh, <laughs> you know, you're going to need a roadie. Like, I want to do that. You know, like, I'll drop everything and take off with you. And he, he's going, well, why don't you play bass? And change my strings i was going well that's sort of you know when a guitar yeah. player plays a bass it yeah. sucks and i yeah. said that's gonna be bad and he, <laughs> and he goes oh man you'll get it like just i i have faith in you work on it you know i'd rather have he said you'd rather have together. me i get that since we were friends right because he had all these other like big bass players breathing down his neck i got to play with he him. wants to be on the road and, and go to breakfast with you and all that and yeah be, be and it was brother. all about hanging and yeah. so uh you know he could have got somebody a lot better than me but he didn't want one of them guys who might be a jerk or not right want to hang right. out that's how i started playing bass you know? i want to talk we're gonna go into a break but i really want to keep continuing talking about sean lane because you and his relationship was great and for people that don't know i wish what we what we would do to be able to have sean in this room right now and interview Holy him moly. it was just insane one of the greatest guitar players in history right and keyboard players yeah. all oh, around yeah. musicians yeah it was just nuts god gave him an incredible gift his fingers could move lightning speed and and there was it was melodic you know, it was like you got both the the best of both words, yeah. worlds. We're at Barry Bay's in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org, folks, this weekend. You got so many cool, cool things to do right here. You don't have to go too far away. We're a drive-in state, and uh, that means uh, that, as my man C. Ray, the head of tourism, always says, that it's right here. It's right in front of you. A lot of great historical and cultural things. A lot of fun to do right here with Barry Bay's. Barry, you get to play DJ. We are the birthplace of American music. I don't have to tell you that. You know it. You sing it. You preach it every day of your life. Would you like to hear Albert King or Eugene Powell into the break? Man, Eugene Powell. Everybody that, needs to know that. That's what I'm talking about. That was my mentor. We'll be right back. Here's a little Eugene. Sonny Boy Nelson. Let it ride. doesn't sleep and neither do we fox news radio late breaking up to the minute from around the world around the clock here on super talk mississippi in a mississippi minute with steve azar right here on super talk mississippi in the keep mississippi beautiful studio go to visit mississippi.org 
Plan your next getaway, even if it's a day trip or a weekend trip. We got it all right going on. It's all going on right here in Mississippi. Uh, Barry Bays is my guest today. All right, we're going to talk Sean Lane right now because obviously huge impact on your life uh, and and always and still still sits in your heart, heavy in your heart, um, and on your mind. I just love listening to you talk about the times together. Tell me what that was like, you guys being out there. Was that really sort of your first break into, you, you know what I mean? Like all this stuff yeah, was happening, yeah. but as that, far as a bass player. Yeah, uh, before that, you know, I was just playing really just around the, the southeast, you know, maybe down as far as Florida and Georgia, but not, you know, it's just cover bands. Right. And I didn't really, other than you, you moved off. I didn't really know many people doing original music, you know. And when I met Sean, he was playing with a band called the Willies, and they played six nights a week on Bill Street, and then they might uh, do a little uh, run at the Alfred's East, which closed up, but they were playing the Alfred's on that. Bill Street. And, I mean, like Kern had been telling me about him. And I had this friend I was living with. I was sleeping on the couch at mm-hmm. these apartments yeah. uh, with five DSU athletes. They were all still in school, and they, they, they partied pretty hard. And my my bedroom was the living room, so I couldn't go to sleep until right, they, right. They I love how you said they were the athletes. We yeah, weren't supposed were, to be in shape. We're supposed yeah. to be the guys that are a mess. But we've yeah. actually been very more disciplined than most people That's think. That's right. Yeah. Well, so uh, this – my – roommate there he had just moved up to memphis and he lived next to alfred's east and he said man y'all got to come up and watch this guy sean lane he said you're going to lose your mind and i remember kern telling me about him and then my friend who knew me he goes you know it's not that he's fast that's not it it's just his sound was so different and uh what he plays was so different and i said okay i'll go and so it was like the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, I was married, and so me and Shelly went up and stayed with him. We walked in Alfred's, and the band was on a break, and so we got a table right there in front of the stage, like three feet right there, you know, and uh, I didn't know what Sean Lane looked like. I mean, I had this one magazine, had his picture in it, but that had been years ago, you know, and so I didn't know what he looked like. So this guy comes in, and he sort of sitting there doing some crazy stuff on the drums. I was going, man, that roadie's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he was playing the drums. You know, he just had on some, some old shirt, you know, and, like, not right. didn't look like the musician. Right. And then he really started doing some crazy stuff, like at a really low volume, just looking around the club. The music was blasting, but we were sitting close enough at – I was going, holy crap, yeah. you know, that guy's, that must be the drummer, like the road yeah. ain't going to play like that, you yeah. know. And then he walked over to the keyboard and started playing these chords, like movie score, you know. Yeah. And I was going, wow, maybe that is a road. He's trying everything He's out. very good, though. <laughs> and then he started playing some crazy, uh, like, it sounded like Art Tatum to me. I went, I started getting, you know, freaked out, like, that must be Sean Lane. Like, yeah. I didn't know he played piano. Yeah, and then everybody else came walking in. He grabbed the guitar, and they went right into something. And they just, uh, you know, uh, you ever had like an adrenaline rush so heavy that you were scared? Like it's yeah. going, this needs to stop because I'm going to like pass out here. And it it that right there was I can't even describe it. Like right. the next thing to a religious experience, it was like all of a sudden I felt like I was sitting there looking at 
another Franz Liszt or a Beethoven or somebody. It right. had nothing to do with the guitar. Right. It was just it was beyond like that something that was coming through him that really, uh, you know. Right. It was inspiring. I was looking over right. at my wife and going, she was same thing. Like we were both going, what the heck, you know? Yeah. And I mean, the adrenaline just kept coming for like forty-five minutes. How do you guys? go from all of that and you're obviously like blown away but how do you guys become such great friends when does that happen well we went outside uh during a break and it's old school that's what we did back then oh you know there were some uh some dudes talking to him and uh you know i could hear him like asking about picks and strings and i'd already read that he didn't like talking about guitar you know he didn't really care about guitar at all and but I, I did just want to talk to him, like, because right. it's obviously he was a, a genius, you know. And so I gave him, I had, you know, just started teaching at Delta State, and so I had these Delta State the card, cards right. on there. And uh, it didn't look like I was going to get to talk to him because these guys wouldn't leave him alone. And so I just sort of interrupted. I said, Hey, man, uh, here's my card, you know, like, uh, I, I'd like to talk to you when you get a chance. And he went, oh, wow. And he just sort of blew them other guys off. Yeah. And he said, like, you you teach, like, music at a college? So he started asking me questions. Like, yeah. well, no, I want to ask you some questions. Yeah, yeah, and He yeah. was asking me all these questions. And uh, we, he just forgot about them other guys, you know. Yeah. And he was just so wanting to know everything about me, you know. And I was going, man, like. So you talk about him in books and stuff, right? Like, so after, now you know, because the discussion you and I had the last time we were on a road trip, you told me about he could, like, he knew what was inside every book. He was a, 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 a what do you call it, a prolific reader, right? Voracious, yeah. Another yeah, right? big words, yeah. Right, but no, but right? So oh, yeah. He, he lived for it, right? He loved to be educated. So I think, don't you think, looking back, that was probably him going like, wait a minute, you're an, ed- an educational institution oh, no as respected as Delta State, you're teaching. And that was that, that intrigued him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, they went back and played, and when they got through, you know, he said, we sat there and talked for like an hour outside. Yeah. And, and he gave me his phone number. I was going, man, like, yeah, you guys this hit is it cool. Off. Yeah. And, uh, we came back up and saw him again the next weekend back on Bill Street, and we just hit it off. And uh, he, after like the second or third time, he invited us over to his house after a gig. Mm-hmm. And that's when I found out that he was really like a, a genius, you know. So right. he had all of these books. What We went back in his studio, and there were all of these books lined up, about 50 of them against the wall, you know. And... It was uh, butterflies, every book that you could probably check out on butterflies from the Memphis Library, which is a world-famous library at the time, you know. And I said, oh, man, uh, what are you doing with those butterfly books? Your your daughter got a project? Yeah. He's going, no, those are, those are, I'm reading those. I went, what? And, he, and then he got really lit up. Oh, yeah, you got to see this. And he reached way back and picked out book number 32 yeah. back there and pulled it out right right to it and then he showed me this butterfly and its wings look like a person's face and he all of those long names you know the he knew, he it knew all. the names of all these and 
The next time we went over there, he had dinosaurs, so he was getting all into that. Wow. And he had already read them already, but he would just go through these phases. He'd get really into one thing. Right. You know, and then, like, if I remember one time, uh, you know, like I said, he would ask a lot of questions. We were uh, sitting in this restaurant, and this guy comes up to him and says, hey, you're, you're Sean Lane. They start talking, and uh turns out this guy was uh, an exterminator. So this guy's trying to ask Sean about picks and strings, and yeah, he starts he's asking him. Like, are you kidding? Like, he flips so it He quick. wanted to uh, know, like, what? how does it affect their nervous system and what yeah, is, you know, yeah. all these things. Yeah. <laughs> he would, like, just pick your brain, whatever it is you do, he would pick your brain. So for folks that don't understand, we're talking about Sean Lane right now, truly one of the greatest guitar player musicians ever, and he was a savant. It was like watching Goodwill Hunting, you know, the movie. You yeah. know, this brilliant mind that could that could – absorb everything he saw touched felt read and then it would l come out of him in this incredibly beautiful way and you guys got to be so close when walsh when joe walsh comes to town because i had a couple nights I, that I, I wish i could forget with walsh <laughs> but uh he had a walsh was there. obviously attracted to sean as well right oh yeah he would sit in with the willies all the time yeah yeah probably thinking like what is this you know well, with he, barry bays by the way everybody he, oh, man. he remembered Sean from the Black Oak, Arkansas years when he was a kid, you know. Right. This is crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, so we're going to go into a break. There's never enough time. I have a strange feeling this is going to be at least two parts because I really want to start talking about all the people that you've recorded with and all that. We'll probably get that in part two with my pal Barry Bays. we got a little time left in a Mississippi minute. It goes by fast with me and Barry because, you know, we like to roll like that. Go to visit Mississippi.org. To find out a great, wonderful getaway that you're going to take this weekend uh, and tell them I sent you. Uh, you can keep Mississippi beautiful studios always. I'm Steve Azar here in the Mississippi. We'll be right back. Folks at Guarantee Bank are proud to announce their 10th annual holiday toy drive. Drive will run now through December 18th for the children at St. Jude Research Hospital and Blair Batson's. As part of their drive, they want to celebrate how far they've come since its inception in 2010. This year, they're collecting gift cards in lieu of toys. Because there are so many children in need, they need you to help them make 2020 the best turnout yet. Gift cards can be dropped off at any Guarantee Bank location between now and December 18th. Their goal is to collect 1,000 gift cards between their 22 locations. Examples of gift cards suggested by their partners are iTunes, Google Play, Xbox, Kroger, Hobby Lobby, Michaels, McDonald's, Visa gift cards. Make Christmas extra special for these precious children and their families. Go to gbtonline.com for additional information. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. There ain't no street in this town where the memories don't let them I, I think it would be wrong for us not to finish this 
one uh, complete Mississippi minute with talking about the loss of Sean and for you and how it affected you. Um, you're playing bass at the time now. Uh, you guys start playing together. Uh, I want to I want to finish this party chapter of your life and then start getting into celebrating how the heck you guys started with Norbert Putnam, the DMI, how, how it all came to be. Because it's become such an important part of your life from the karate days to we're sitting in this studio right now and you and I are always blown away when we're people just have no idea that we've got one of the greatest studios in the world sitting right here where we I played basketball you did karate and uh it's just insane and the education that the kids get is um it's superior here and and prepares you for the entertainment business these days the entertainment business you got to be all in and you got to be willing to handle the hustle I mean you got to get yourself develop yourself and this place helps you do that record labels aren't developing artists anymore they're saying tell me tell me your story tell me it's you're already kicking tail and then we'll take it from here uh that's that's sort of the model that it is now we're at Barry Bays uh we're at the Delta Music Institute he is a professor He's my man. Uh, also shares the stage with me many times now. Well, we're not sharing any stage right now. It's, it's a sign of the times, and hopefully we'll get through all these trying times. And COVID will make it will be an afterthought, and in the history books, and we'll get to go play again like we used to. Uh, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out the cool things you can do right here, especially in the Delta. So many great things, Barry. Sean and you, you start playing bass. So how much time goes by between the time that you have that conversation with him? You guys are starting to hang. You're seeing what he's all about. Uh, when does the time happen when he says, I want you to play the bass? And then how long did that last? Well, really up until he died, although he was he died in 2003. But uh, we met, it was Thanksgiving of 88. And so for the first couple of years... We were just hanging out, and I would go sit in and play guitar, you know, when he needed to take a break, you know, doing some cover songs. You know, we'd do some Joe Walsh or whatever. And after he did that Highwayman session and got his Warner Brothers deal, then I started playing bass. And so right away, uh, my cousin Budley that had the studio in Grenada, he found out I was playing bass, and we put together like a blues band, Hmm. and... Uh, me and Budley and Danny Lancaster and uh, Haley Bennett, and we started just tearing up the North Mississippi, Oxford and Grenada, yeah. especially private parties out the lake. Just and Danny, if you don't know who Danny Lancaster is, he was one of the greatest guitar players in the world to me. You know, just like nobody else. You know, he he could have played with anybody, but he just you know had a hard time sticking with somebody yeah uh, yeah well then we, I, I we've was all for, ran into that you fortunate know, to play on his record before he died that was great but i was playing with danny and we were doing festivals and stuff and you know one thing leads to another and i little dave thompson saw me i started playing bass a lot with little dave and right. i played with uh uh i had been playing guitar with uh brad and brenda and freddie you know freddie banks yeah, was freddie a huge with, influence yeah, right. on me yeah. on the bass and uh, when he died, then I turned around. I started playing bass with them some. Right. You know, when you're in the studio, it's important to be comfortable. You know, and and then and then come on, you and I both know. You know, I've written with some incredible historical writers. It doesn't mean that we wrote the best stuff though. And used to, I used to walk in there thinking, well, this is going to be the greatest song ever. I'm about to have a hit, and it didn't work out that way. But I learned a whole lot. Yeah, it's always um, a learning. Experience. Yeah, and when the hits happen, that that's that's on God's time. Well, we're on the Mississippi Minute time right now, so we're gonna we're gonna head into another one. I appreciate you taking the time with been my my pal, multi talented Barry Bays. 
toured the world, played with some of the greatest musicians, recorded with them in history, and I've been blessed to have him share the stage with me uh, since moving back. You're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find a whole lot of cool things you can do right here. Come see us in Cleveland. That's where we're hanging out right now at the Delta Music Institute. Go to the Grammy Museum. Check out Clarksdale, Ground Zero. You can go to Greenville, Mississippi, to Doe's. Head to Indianola. Go to Club Ebony. Uh, the B.B. King Museum, so many cool things, and I know I'm leaving things out like the Jim Henson Museum in Leland. It goes on forever. We're right here. I'll see you later. I'm Steve Azar. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. What's up, folks? Welcome to a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. Heading into your weekend. Woohoo! Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Go to visitmississippi.org. Check out all the cool things you can do. You can visit these cool blues and country trail markers. Come visit me in front of Jim's Cafe. Uh, the killer Jerry Lee Lewis. His mile marker is right where he grew up. And Nesbitt is home. Uh, it's just a lot of cool places you can go check out. Uh, so many great blues trails. Oh, my goodness. It's just insane. Uh, all the places you can check out the history and really helps you appreciate uh, this wonderful place we call home in Mississippi. Also, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio. I'm back with part two of my man, today's guest, Barry Bays. So, a Mississippi Minute with Barry and I, you should see us going down the road or in a, in a plane or wherever we're going. Uh, the conversation is just, they're thick and they're long and they're intense. So no one Mississippi Minute could contain us. A world-class musician and a world-class soul. That's what he's got. We share the stage. We share the studio together. A professor of practice of entertainment industry studies, the director of the DMI Bands. He's been recognized in high-profile music magazines. I mean, when you're a kid and you're listen, watching, I mean, reading Guitar Magazine or Guitar World, I mean, to be in that magazine is like you have arrived. Living Blues, the Delta Magazine, Delta Business Journal, et cetera, et cetera. He's a board member of the Follow Your Heart Arts program. So let's get back to it, part two, with my pal, my bandmate, my studio mate, uh, just really good dude in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, Barry Bays. Hey, Barry. How's it going? Barry Bays. I like that. Keep low. You'll never find. Anyway, okay. All right. So we talked about doing this interview at five in the morning, how low we'd be. But uh, now we're a little wired on coffee, and uh, I appreciate you spending the extra time. I know you're busy. Uh, I want to talk about this place. After this, I'm going to let everybody breathe for a second, 
and uh, but this blows both of our minds. And you were oh. a part of the conception, uh, the the vision, and here from the start, uh, before it ever you know wasn't a basketball gymnasium, right? And classrooms and ROTC and all that. So take me back with Norbert Putnam, who's been on our show, the great Norbert Putnam, uh, Muscle Shows legend. Elvis, Margaritaville, you name it. Um, I got to understand how this all went down. All right. I'll back up a little bit about how I met Norbert. This is funny because uh, my cousin who had the Domino recording studio in Grenada, Budley Bays, he's a prominent musician and producer and writer. Um, I was home one weekend and uh, he said, man, you're never going to believe who just bought a house in Grenada? And I went, I don't know, Elvis? <laughs> uh, no, it was close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Elvis's bass player, I, I went. And uh, I first was thinking about, uh, like, what's his name, Chef. And then I went, why would he move here? And then I, uh, for some reason, I said, Norbert Putnam, he said, that's right. He just bought the Dubard house downtown Grenada and fixing it up. And, uh, he had bought the Masonic Temple downtown and was making a studio out of that. And I said, man, like, and so Budley knew him. So he, uh, I said, we got to go talk to him. And so I went and met Norbert, and uh, we hit it off right away. He's a really funny guy. And, uh, you know, he was asking me questions like what I did and who I played with and all that. And I told him, you know, I was teaching music over here at Dell State and, uh, he said, well, what kind of uh, recording program y'all have? I said, we don't have one. Like, they, you know, uh, they it was just a classical music program. So, uh, but for years before that, uh, my friend uh, Scott Coopwood, who plays rock and roll, he had a studio in his house in Shelby before he had one here. It's now up above Delta Magazine, but... Um, we would record out there at, in his studio. He did the Cracker Jacks and a lot of people there, uh, Doug Scarborough's record. And, you know, he was always befuddled why we didn't have a recording studio at Delta State. And we were always trying to figure out some way to raise money, and and it just never could happen, you know. Between glasses so, of wine or between beers. Yeah. That's when the... <laughs> That's when the um, the inspiration flowed. No, I, I love red. It. You're cracking me up. Build a studio. Now we're talking about what we're sitting in right now. Okay. Well, we're you know we were not thinking of this. I mean, yeah, we yeah. our idea was just like you know something like that corner over there, just big enough to put some drums in and a right. and you know so the students. I I was teaching forty or fifty one hour lessons a week at one point. Wow. You know, and and there's rock and roll and country some jazzers one or two classical but there was just no place for anybody to record so you know there was i was you know just a lowly instructor and had no say so and nobody was really interested in recording there so nothing ever came of it right so uh scott met norbert you know the same time this is a 97 when norbert moved to grenada and his wife, Cheryl, had family there that was getting older, and I think that's why they moved there. And he loved Grenada, you know. He he loved it. And uh, so anyway, 
he started coming over to Cleveland to go to KC's and meeting people. And uh, he was just one of them kind of guy, you know, like the the Bennett House and Franklin and Quadraphonic, all these things that he came up with in Nashville. He just, you know, said, well, y'all need to have a recording studio here in Cleveland. We're going, yeah, we sure do. And so he came up with this. First, he came over looking around and meeting people. And next thing you know, he's got Fred Carl on board and Morgan Freeman and uh, a bunch of <laughs> doctors, you know. So one night at KC's, a fabulous restaurant that's yeah, no longer here, yeah. you know. I mean, I think they came up with about, I don't know, it was like $60,000 just one night at supper, you know. And then it just went from there. And so uh, the the dean of the arts and sciences at the time uh, was a good friend of mine, an artist, and his son. So that was Collier Parker. And his son, right. Chris Parker, was taking lessons from me, and we played gigs together. And so, you know, the dean got on board, and it just took took a while, but... We're talking you know, about sixty thousand dollars. Just let's talk about that. What? Well, how much is the board? That board that we're in Studio A cost? Um, quarter of a million. Man, probably close to half. I'm just guessing, you know. And then it had to come from England. That's a solid state logic SSL. So it's more than a quarter of a million. I think so. I'm really not sure. Like, huh. uh, but just to show you, this is one piece of gear in this facility, and the facility mm-hmm. is what used to be a basketball court. And but it's but there's Studio B, C. There's all studios, but there's no curriculum. So I'm trying to understand how you guys go from a recording studio to a full blown curriculum like this. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but um, well, we were looking. Uh, Norbert was just looking at this little grass area uh, <laughs> behind the music department, you know, and thinking with this money, you know, whatever they raised, they kept raising money, you know, and. Uh, we're just looking for a place like we're going to build a recording studio, just not to program. That was came later, but just yeah. a, a studio for the students to record and write and maybe teach a class. And Norbert said, I'll come over there and teach a class. And so uh, <laughs> Collier said, well, yeah, we, you know, uh, we could, you know, just have the one one recording class. And Norbert said, it'd be fun to teach people, you know, like right. directly and so just looking at a little place behind uh, Ziegel over there is, and so we were getting all excited. All right, we have a little nice little cute recording yeah. studio to to do stuff in, and then <clears throat> he found out about this building, and uh, I got pictures of us walking around in here with uh, some of his friends and the people that started kicking in the big money. You know, before it ever happened. Yeah, still, uh, it was still karate and uh, ballet and stuff in here you know and uh just walking around looking he's going man you know uh we we need this building <laughs> you know wow and, and, and i come having a hard time know, understanding the vision of obviously we know how good this room sounds right oh that blows my mind so we're going to go into a break because i want to understand i want you to continue on this journey of the dmi and how it all came to be but you know i still see me uh, li- uh, lighting up the scoreboard and just get anyway you know just uh, shooting a lot of threes <laughs> whether i was hot or not i was shooting a lot of threes i had the green light in here you're in the keep mississippi beautiful studio go to visit mississippi.org come see us at the Grammy museum here in cleveland uh come to greenville have a great dinner eat at my pals gems 
Cafe, where my mile marker is, where my country trail, trail marker is. Pretty cool. With my pal Barry Bays and Keep Mississippi Beatles Studio. We'll be right back. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. When you got Barry Bays, the man on the bass, actually started on guitar. I still see visions of him in his karate uniform, practicing away. Uh, you knew that it was going to be a, uh, he was going to be a lifer. It was going to be forever. Uh, in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, go to visit Mississippi.org. You got plans this weekend? Change them. Check it out. Plenty to do right here. In this beautiful land we call home. Uh, Barry Bays. So, Barry, keep going. Let's keep rolling for a minute. Okay, so you and Norbert, you come in here. You've gone from a little, you were talking about building a little place outside of Ziegler back here and a little green space. And now you've come in and he's been he's been starstruck with the room. And obviously his eyes and, and his uh, his experience tells him way more than you and I would have said. Oh, but would yeah. you have ever envisioned this Studio A, right? I mean, it's. You know, the way that he was talking about this, I was going. Well, you think he was this crazy? Is, Norbert, we no, love you. No, I didn't because at this point, you know, I had known him for quite yeah. a few years, like 97, 98, 99. This yeah. was like 2002 or something. So this is five years in the making. Yeah, this was way later, you know, 2002, right. and just him uh, meeting Collier, and Collier was on board, and then uh, the president at the time thought this would be a good idea. At the time, I had uh, the the president, uh, Doctor Potter, you know, said, "Why don't y'all have like a a DSU blues man?" It was two thousand three, was the year of the blues, you know. I was going well. Year uh, of the blues. Sorry, nobody's really <laughs> interested in that. And he said, "Well, let's let's make it happen," you know. I said, "Okay." So he, you know, they uh, he told me you start it up, and I'll. We'll make it a official course, and uh, wow! You know, I said I I I can so that get was the, the gigs. beginning of the first curriculum right there. Uh, well, this was under the Delta Center, so okay. that, that's what I was doing about the time this was all going. You know, later on, once it got going, they worked it out to move me out of the music department and then and over, over into this, so that Norbert would have somebody to help him. You know, yeah. And yeah. uh, so y'all are the we, only two. At the begin the beginning, okay, right, right at the beginning. And then he got uh, Willie Pavere, world class engineer, that did all these George Strait number one hits. Yeah, and he had, yeah, he had done a lot of work for Norbert, and so uh, they, he came down know, for a while. Or? Yeah, he st- he stayed here in Cleveland for uh, uh, a few years. Wow. So it and uh, just right off the bat, we had about uh, seventy or eighty students in the program. Really. You know, but it was not. We didn't have a program yet, so it's only classes. And uh, oh, I got it, you. The okay. way I remember it, you know, we couldn't have a a major or whatever because I think Valley maybe had one going, mm-hmm. and being close proximity, we couldn't do it. So right. it wasn't until Valley no longer had their program that then Y'all this were one got started. But right at the beginning, you know, these students were literally, you know, having Norbert was showing them how to position a microphone and he was teaching the classes guys you're talking about you're talking about muscle shoals you know him and 
Jimmy David Buffett Briggs. Knows. I mean, you're right. He produced Margaritaville, et cetera. Dan Fogelberg. But he played with Elvis. So did David. And these guys came from Muscle Shows. These, this is all that history, all his records made. Uh, Rick Hall. You know, it's just in, insane amount of music history. Insane. Uh, I mean, I know that they played on a thousand number one records. I know David has. So I mean, it's probably probably Norbert has. Norbert's on like ten thousand yeah. songs. It's, yeah, man. yeah, crazy. But number one, a thousand. How do you? I mean, how do you? A thousand. That means, and it was really, you know, you know, you and I both know musicians are key, man. So they were just hit, hit. They were hit factories. Yeah, they just right. Do how to lay it down on so the spot. At what point do you occupy it all, and all the classrooms are full, and all this is going on? Like, take me to that place. You know, it took a while, and then uh, increments. When Norbert was here, we only had what is now Studio C upstairs. That was the only studio we had, and he brought his personal Mackie recording, hard disk recording system <laughs> here to use. That's what we had at first, you know, and so wow. it was all up in that one room. He got an office down here for uh, Willie so that they would have, they had two offices, so it was just that side of the building. Right. And then uh, got the money to start renovating and, so and doing George, things. Like George Bryan and Lucy, the, the Paul and Lucy Janice mm-hmm. and the Sanders and the, so y'all start, and then obviously Fred Carl, all these, all these relationships start to, you know, the people that really are concerned and care and compassion about what we do. They love music. You know, they understand the value and, uh, and how it molds kids, you know. And also our history. You got to have something like this to help continue to grow, right? The next generation and the next generation. Like I said, right off the beginning, it was just a whole lot of like really super talented people. Most of those people are still active. You know, they, some of them, and they took the courses and then just started, they moving off and playing or doing whatever they do. Yeah. But at that point, you know, there was no uh, degree in this it was just the classes and these folks were going i don't care i'm taking microphone class with right Elvis's you, it was baseball, part of delta you know? state's whole you know you could take okay an extra it was extra curriculum right yeah yeah and uh you know so all of, it took a while to get the degree and all that going and then to when they started i i got pictures of this just being a wood frame right here this yeah. spaceship we're yeah. sitting john in, meredith you know? obviously built yeah this, man right? he was he's great the english guy yeah, yeah. he yeah. was what funny too yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Norbert doesn't remember this, but I remember him, like, drawing his, his concept on a napkin, you know, just <laughs> talking to people in KC's about uh, what we're going to have there at Delta State. And people just thought Abby it was wrote. nuts. So, yeah, so how does just, he go from uh, – how does he see this room, and how does John de- de- design it and develop it to sound great? And what are they looking for when they're looking for that? You know, what what exactly? And then I can't remember this architect team that worked, you know, very closely with uh, John and Norbert to to get all this finally drawn up. And then the plans are out there in the hallway, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can see how, you know, this is divided into two rooms there. And uh, when they were just constructing, working on all this, just to walk in here every day and see – like this is really happening. I was freaking out. Like, why? Why didn't we have this 
you know, when I was in school, you know, right. I love classical music, but I didn't want to do it for a living, you know. I, but that was the only choice I had right. at the time. But to just walk in every day and see the progress, it was just if you're going to do classical mind-boggling. music and do it for a living, you'd have to go to New York or go to some big city to to where it's you know where it's on 24 7 right yeah memphis you know i have memphis, a friend right, that graduated right. from here he's principal trumpet with memphis uh okay, so scott they, moore right um but just to see the the final plans and 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 you know when you finally realize like this is really happening happening yeah. and people just thought y'all not gonna do that you know so 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 back then they were offering classes that were you know, obviously not in, in people's curriculum, but they counted as a credit toward graduating. That's basically it. Right? Yeah. Okay. I and then, uh, Outside you know, we had a lot of students. Willie left, and then we got uh, another guy, uh, Mike Acapelli, came in. After Norbert, he had a house here in Cleveland, and he would stay here during the week and then go back home on the weekends, you know. Mm-hmm. and uh, That gets us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It takes and time. so uh, eventually, I think, you know, he was looking for somebody to take over and run it. And so that's when uh, uh, Trisha Walker, you know, right. we found her. Norbert, I think maybe Norbert and Collier somehow found out about Trisha. And it just so happened. Here. Yeah, that she was, she's got her own story about that, this, you know, how she was looking for a change and been in Nashville all this time. and. Yeah. And uh, when this opportunity came up for her to come here, she said it was just like the right time and all yeah, that. Yeah. You know, and then once she got here and then Valley, you know, they no longer had their program. And, you know, after she got here, we were at, got our degree going and, uh, you know, actual entertainment industry studies mm-hmm. degree. You know, things started moving uh, really quickly then, you know, and the building was done. We had PV gave us a lot of stuff for live sound. You know, we had like a huge outdoor PA system. And then I had that DSU blues band morphed into uh, the band called Old School Review. And uh, it moved from just doing just blues songs to R&B, funk, soul, stacks, Atlantic Motown. Yeah. And I would use that as a way to educate people, you know, where everything came from you know not just blues right. but you were, you, you were talking uh, the history of it all but it obviously all started here we're going to go into a break speaking of where it all started here we are the birthplace of american music this is where else would this be sitting this spaceship we call studio a uh at the delta music institute uh go to visit mississippi.org everybody find out what you're going to do tomorrow or maybe today just or maybe in the next 30 minutes plenty to do you in the keep mississippi beautiful studio I'm with my pal barry bays uh barry DJ again, two days in a row. Not many people. By the way, Norbert Putnam got two two straight interviews. So this is this is fitting that you're one of the probably four or five people I've done double duty on. Uh, would you like to hear into the break, Paul Davis or Paul Overstreet? Overstreet, little Paul. I love Paul, my brother. We love you, Paul. Let's do a little Paul Overstreet. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. Yeah, daddy's come around. Mama's way of thinking. Something worth keeping. Yeah, the daddy's come around. 
in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm with Barry Bays in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, hanging out on a Mississippi highway that now sits a spaceship called Studio A at the Delta Music Institute. I'm spending a lot of time making records here now, man. This is a... this is like, I feel like it's my own personal little space, you know, and I appreciate you guys inviting me in over all these years, Barry. You guys have always been really supportive and, and acceptive of me, and and our relationship has grown, and just it's just always a blessing to be on stage and in the room with you and the studio with you. Uh, you're world-class, pal. Go to visit Mississippi.org to find out all the world-class musicians that have graced the land of Mississippi. Uh, we're set, certainly humbled to be here. Uh, Barry, so... Th- this curriculum finally becomes a real deal. What year does that happen? Can you recall? Um, I'm just trying to think. We were getting, uh, we had quite a few classes by 2005. And I'm trying to remember exactly when Trisha got here. It might have been 2007. And she was a good a bridge between the creative uh, musicians and then uh, uh, the college setting because uh, Norbert really didn't understand, you know, having to wait around, you know. Yeah, and the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the, uh, the uh, I, I'm not going to use the word bureaucracy. That's not what we're talking about. But but just the, the way that things are done uh, in an educational environment has to be done exact norbert's not, come on man yeah, that ain't norbert you know you so just want to like build it right now yeah you know, let's and, just and go and let's, let's go get the stuff and what we'll deal with it later send somebody the bill yeah, you know yeah, yeah 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 that's all right but you know so trisha finally, understood finally that. got got done oh yeah and you know also uh you know she had a a master's degree in music so she and you know being a a a musician like a songwriter and a guitar player and keyboard player and then understanding the the college thing so she was a good balance good balance there between uh us and what we had to uh do to get the program you know to further it along you know i've had a lot of conversations with trisha and i know you have um i think deep down inside she wanted to always lean toward being creative, but at some point she had to lean toward the other way. I mean, like it was taking away her creativity because she was dealing with, you know, running this place. So, uh, and I understand that. And you also have to be patient and build relationships. And she's done such a great job of that, but now she's not here anymore. Now, Richard Trammell, who's done a great job, who shows up in the middle of all this. Uh, and we love him. He's, he's great. He's been, he's been great. And he likes to buy gear, which is awesome. Right. We love it. We love a guy that buys new well, toys. The students need, you know, they need yeah. to know about everything. Yeah, so no, no, now they have to. Getting that's, them what that's they need. right? So the place is built. You've had all this transition. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the importance of today's musician and how they, Audrey over there at the board, I'm looking at Audrey, you know, she's a heck of a, a songwriter and an artist. Uh, but she's sitting there manning the board because she's she wants to get great at, at the engineering side of it to make her art better. But also there's the business behind it. How many people have been messed over in our business? I mean, so many times, bad contracts, bad oh, yeah. deals, bad people. You know, it happens in every business. It happens in ours. So you're you're going to learn if you want to, if you want to absorb it all, 
you're going to learn it all. And as you develop yourself, you have to have all these facets to be able to move forward as today's musician. Don't you agree? Yep. And we have, uh, you know, our, you know, what started out is just two people now. You know, we yeah, know. we got just about everything covered. So, uh, you know, Trisha had her stuff that she was good at and a uh, Charlie Abraham like there's nobody yeah, like him you know on. the stuff that he's so done good. so good uh, incredible experience in the music world period oh yeah talking about promoting a show uh, forever concerts I mean uh, so many concerts I went to see in Jackson you know it. he was putting yeah. them on you know Jubilee Jam with our man yeah Tower Power and James yeah. Brown with Journey White P-Funk right? Neville were. Brothers yeah yeah. So he knows how to teach that side of it without using the yeah. book. At, at what point in your – is there ever a time maybe you look back, Barry, and you go, uh, I'm still doing this? I, I do that all the time. I, I, and, and go, like, we're, we're, we're – how old we are? How, you know, we're in our mid-50s, right? And although we, we seem like we're still kids at heart, you know, and I think music does that. I think it keeps us young at heart. Uh, what other profession allows you, first of all, if you're able to, it's like your football career is going to end, your basketball career is going to end, mm-hmm. your baseball, all these all sports, it's going to end, right? But ours gets to continue. If we take care of things, and obviously you have to take care of yourself, you have to, you have to keep living and, and take care of your body and all that, and your mind and your soul and all that. But the fact that we're blessed to keep doing it, um, do you just go, wow? I mean, I do sometimes, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's really when someone else points it out. Like I'm pointing I have, it out, as you can tell. I have <laughs> uh, friends that are excellent musicians, but they chose some other career we path. Have right. For whatever reason, but they still play music on a regular basis, right. you know. Uh, right. There were so many people that I uh, met, you know, when I back in college. Well, we like, talk about Haley. Yeah, oh yeah, so Haley and I both, both played with He's Haley. still playing all the He's time. Incredible. incredible. But uh yeah. I'm just thinking about some of the first musicians I met when I came to college. Like one of the bands I used to see, uh Chance from uh Clarksdale. Totally remember those guys, you know, and then uh Ronnie Drew and uh right. Jack Phillips just melting your face you know with these rock solos and the, the bass player Terry Moore, I still see him. He's even though I was a guitar player, I was a trumpet player, and right. then I became a guitar player, and now I'm a bass it's player. Interesting. But- You're talking about all the musicians, and I was in it like Forbert, and because uh, the local, local yeah. more local guys, John Kilzer, yeah. you know, in Memphis, who's passed away, God rest his soul. But some of these guys, Jimmy Davis, they were a little older oh, yeah. than me, and they were songwriters, and I was into all of that. And then obviously Eugene Powell for me. We talked about yeah. Eugene on the last show. Um, he was the guy that he was, whatever he was talking about back there. I know some of the stuff he was doing his cover stuff. He was just grew up doing, but every once in a while, you know, a lot of times I say he'd just go off on a tangent and it was beautiful. And I, that's why I wanted to write songs. So I was in tune with that guy. And you always talk about, we always talk about the difference in between me and you, but we can't, we have to have each other. <laughs> so you were on one path at Delta State when I'd look left outside when I'd walk out the dorm, I was on another path. And it's just funny how life eventually has you collide you know yeah it's crazy isn't it looking back i remember being on the t-box and it was ben buffkin 
and I was with Dr. Scott Nelson, and they were talking about this going down this place. Yeah. And I said, hallelujah, this makes, you know, I used to go, man, if we'd have had this when we grew up, and I always talk about that, I oh, mean, yeah. where would we be? You well, know? yeah, if this would have been going back then, you know, I was playing trumpet in a R&B and funk and soul bands. It was really not any of the rock bands that I was watching right. uh, would, had a place for a horn. Like I was talking about Chance, those guys were playing hard rock. And uh, Terry Moore, great bass player, you know, I still see him. He comes to Cleveland a good bit. But, you know, he was a big influence on me. Just the way those guys looked, you know, it was just so cool to be playing rock. But I was a horn player, and... I could only play with horn bands, you know, but when I started playing guitar, then all of that stuff that I've been watching, these guys was now coming out, you know. But if we would have had these studios here then, those bands could have been in here recording, you oh, know. Come on, exactly. Uh, the horn bands I was playing in with, you know, there were there were a lot of bands in Cleveland there at, at, back at one point, you know. There was a there was an incredible vast amount of extremely talented people here the tangents man are you and kidding me Duff and, Dora and fish I mean, think, mickey think about all the players that we the brown brothers bo ridgeway we can go yep. on and on it was insane the talent level Greenville. it was so much around you yeah. here at all times we couldn't help but be eaten up with it you're in the keep mississippi beautiful studio visit mississippi.org folks visit mississippi.org check it out please so many great things to do, especially while we're sort of contained a little bit. This is the time to really take advantage of that. I'm with my pal Barry Bays, world-class musician, teacher. The man is the man. Right here to keep missing the beautiful studio. Come on. Guaranteed Bank are proud to announce their 10th annual holiday toy drive. Drive will run now through December 18th for the children at St. Jude Research Hospital and Blair Batson's. As part of their drive, they want to celebrate how far they've come since its inception in 2010. This year, they're collecting gift cards in lieu of toys. Because there are so many children in need, they need you to help them make 2020 the best turnout yet. Gift cards can be dropped off at any Guarantee Bank location between now and December 18th. Their goal is to collect 1,000 gift cards between their 22 locations. Examples of gift cards suggested by their partners are iTunes, Google Play, Xbox, Kroger, Hobby Lobby, Michaels, McDonald's, Visa gift cards. Make Christmas extra special for these precious children and their families. Go to gbtonline.com for additional information. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Oh, 
how a second Mississippi Minute with my pal Barry Bays in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio goes by so fast. We're probably going to get some lunch after this, just FYI, even though it's after lunchtime. Because we're musicians and we, we're supposed to have just woken up. I love how we're, we're uh, viewed as... Uh, you guys stay up all night. And you don't get up. And I had musicians that had full on the you know my my big first big producer, uh, Barry had full on the windows, and would wake up and at three o'clock we'd start. Rafe Van Hoy, the guy was brilliant, one of the greatest songwriters in the world. He wrote when he was seventeen, "What's Forever For," the great Michael Martin Murphy song. You know, you know. So what's the glory in living? Doesn't anybody ever stay together anymore? And if love never lasts forever, tell me what's forever for. Who writes that at 17? Anyway, Rafe and I, he would wake up at about 11. We'd already written a song, already had dinner. And, and I had babies at the house and one our baby girl on the way. And he'd wake up at 11. We've already made a record. He'd look at me. He'd go, hey, like he just woke up. And I was like, oh, God, this is not going to be good. Because that's three, four hours later. So I was literally working on octane. I mean, I had, I had no fuel in the tank. But it was a glorious time because we knew we were doing something special. You've been doing it for so long. You play with so many great musicians. Um, has there been anybody that stuck out besides Sean Lane, who was a brother to you, who you lost at a very young age, who was one of the greatest in history? Uh, anybody, and besides me, <laughs> funny, I'm being funny. Somebody that you really enjoy going out and playing with or, or somebody that you were in Man, awe of? Shoot, I mean, I've, you know, the way I think about music is i just i played in a couple of bands it was really just for the money but i got to a point where it was just not worth you know if i if i don't feel something from the music that i'm not going to do it you know once i started playing with original artists that was just the greatest thing even though if it meant less money you know than like you know when you're playing in a hotel band in those kind of bars like no, abby t's you'd make a lot of money but playing with uh artists like i mean i love playing with you your band is just slamming you know it's just like breathing yeah. it just flows you know everybody's so Boy, on top of it so i mean you know that's important i mean that's right we've had the same guys for a zillion years and you fit you you became family instantly everybody agreed i mean it was like you didn't have to agree we knew you know well, that one of the one of the things you know that is just present with just about everybody i play with we come off the stage everybody's soaking wet so yeah, yeah you sweat a lot uh, blue mother tupelo <laughs> uh, they're great friends of mine great you know and great, uh great they band. just moved to mississippi but they you know living in nashville for a long time but i play with them and on uh some of their recordings and i mean both of them every time we come off the stage you know it's just magic and yeah. and we just hug each other and everybody's squishing you know their shirts are soaking wet you know you know you know you talk about like blue mother to blow and and i see shovels and rope and i don't see much of a difference i mean it's almost like why doesn't everybody know blue mother tupelo and for folks that don't know shovels and rope but a lot of people do know shovels and rope mm. but just their price tag and everything behind them and and i feel like uh they got their they get mad at each other husband and wife and they just they just they're just at each other on stage there's just two of them um with Blue Mother Tupelo, I feel like the best is yet to come. You know, there's another another group in Mississippi that's working hard. Um, yeah, I'm glad they moved here. Yeah. Uh, but right, this uh, pandemic sort of shut down well, yeah. not only your gig, theirs, yeah. uh, well, the, the Beat Daddies, you know. People, that's all they do. I mean, yeah. there's a point in my life where all I did, all the only thing I did in my life was write songs, make records, and tour. 
So I'm trying. I have. We have a lot of friends in Nashville and in New York and L.A. and London and all that. That's still all they do. So they've really been out of work, and their bandmates are really out of work. And maybe, maybe you know, I know some songwriters and artists who have been out there who just probably who's been living as they live. You know what I mean? As especially mm-hmm. as the model of 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 making money and the revenue streams have changed from streaming, you can't count on those sales anymore. So that's gone. So they're all everybody's wanting to work now. I mean, which is great for audiences and fans. They finally get to see everybody. We're in a weird space right now, and I I don't think it's going to get better for the music business for another six months to about nine months to a year, maybe over a year. Scary. We're going to be out. But there's other industries, obviously, that plenty of industries that are in the same boat as we are. Mm. We just need to jump in Noah's Ark and just ride around for a while. What do you <laughs> say? Two days together. We spent a lot of days and nights together and stage. I'm looking forward to recording with you again soon. And, you know, in the next uh, few weeks, we're going to be together for a week. Uh, you're in the Keep Mississippi Beautiful studio, folks. Barry Bay's one of the world-class souls, hearts, men, and musicians I've ever been around. Go to visit Mississippi.org. Study up all our great history and culture. Have a great weekend. Blessings. Very thank you. Thanks for having me, Steve. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.